Thank you. Yeah, I think it's the first time I have flowers on me. <laughs> mostly, I'm just, uh, I like to honor the guests, but I step away myself mostly. So thank you for that. I remember it for the whole life, I think. So thank you. We all know the Beatitudes. And recently I got new one. Maybe you know this already, but I got this new one and I'm excited for this. I want to share. Blessed are those who share within their given time and they will be called again. So I want to share within my given time. I want to be back again. <laughs> thank you all. Thank you, Pastor Mike. And thank you all for giving me this great opportunity. And thank you for partnership with us. And we all together to expand the God's kingdom in India. And we are very privileged to be you know, partnered with you and to have you. And thank you for the outreach team, for the honoring and also for visiting us and for being a, a part of our life in India. Though this short term, one week, ten days. And we are really blessed by your visits. And we love to have you. And please keep coming. And before I go further, I would like to show you a video, and then I would like to speak. So, yeah. India, it's a land rich in colour, heritage and culture, and recently has emerged as a rising economic powerhouse. While India's rise has seen a lot of wealth creation in the middle to upper classes, it's the hidden Dalit castes and marginalised castes that are being left behind. The gap between the rich and the poor is widening. The Dalits, known as untouchables, sit on the lowest rung of India's social hierarchy, known as the caste system. The word Dalit is very literal. It means crushed or broken into pieces. Dalits are marginalised, downtrodden and victimised within their own society. While many programs are being put forward to improve the lives of the poor, we believe that a quality education is the key to change. In India, an English education is considered to be a privilege of the elite. We know, given the opportunity of an English education, Dalit children would become empowered and transformed this has the potential to change not only the individuals, but bring change to their families and society. Light Model School has started to build an English medium school for the poor and oppressed. Dalit children will learn English and will be taught values of freedom, equality and human dignity, along with the skills needed to become financially independent. Our Light Model School started in June 2012. Presently, we have 198 children in the school and hope to expand to 500 by 2014.
There are very few opportunities for oppressed families to break the cycle of poverty which has entrapped them. Children who were previously destined for menial labour based on the confines of their poverty and caste structure now have opportunities to enter into greater career tracks which will change their economic situation for generations. Underprivileged Dalit children will have access to quality education. We aim to build children ready to face tomorrow's challenges, while being proud citizens involved in the country's decision making. Please help us make dreams come true. Thank you. God has been doing some amazing things since last year and we are very much excited for what he's doing and we are very much grateful and thankful to God for to be part of that. Since I've been here last time, we are able to move our children into the light, new light home building. We have built a new light home and we are able to move into that light home and now we have 80 children in the light home. Yeah. As you know, my passion is for my people. That's what I'm passionate about. If you just Google the name Dalits, you will know a lot of things about them. The caste system has made them less than animal. And we are the most poorest of the poor in India. That's where my heart is. That's where my passion is. I know my people's lives because I'm one of them. I know how they're going because I've been through that. So we are, I'm so much passionate for this. I don't know the purpose of my life about, apart from this. Truly, I don't know. I'm very glad that God has given a purpose, a vision, a passion for my people. And we also recently started a school last year in June 2012. We have 198 children. And the children are coming from the different backgrounds. I would like to show you a slideshow, and I would like to go through that. Next, please. And we have children coming to us from different backgrounds. In our light home, we have orphans, semi-orphan, poor children, abandoned children, and child workers, different background children. If you see, you can see that photo, that some of the backgrounds that come to us. Next, please. And I would like to tell you a story of this girl. Her name is Vijay Lakshmi. At the age of six years, she became a child worker working at a brick-making factory. She and other Three sisters, mother and father, all together, all of them, six people, working in the brick-making factory for $45 per year. At the age of six, she became a child worker. And the work involves repetitive lifting of the brick blocks, crafting, carrying to the hot furnace. It's a very, very hard job. I would like to show you some photos of the children working in the brick-making factory. Next, please. So can you imagine our children? I have two, two 
his children, son and daughter. I can't imagine them to work in that condition. But do you know the truth is, India has the largest number of working children in India, in the world. 135 million child workers in India. So Vijay Lakshmi was working like these children from morning, five to evening. It was very, very hard job. And she used to, you know, have a lot of injuries when the carries the brick, brick blocks that fell on. It's a hard job. And her father was so, you know, miserable. He couldn't do anything apart from working in the brick-making factory because he doesn't have a home to live. The brick-making factory owner gives a room to, to stay without rent. So that's the place he could stay with his four daughters. So it is really trapped them into that poverty, into that place. And it's very, very hard. She never thought of going to the school. She never imagined going to the school and learning. However, her, her story doesn't end at the brick-making factory. One of, one of the days when she was working, one of her relatives, who is a pastor, went to visit that family. When he went there, she and other sisters were working in that factory in a very hard summer, very extreme hard condition. They literally work in a very hard condition. So this pastor's heart went out for these girls. He wanted to do something for these girls. So he approached us, he asked us, you know, is there any way we can take at least one of these children and, you know, give them a food as we do and some education. We were going through some hard times at that time, but we really felt that this girl, at least one girl from this family needed our help. So the good news is now we, she's in our light home and she's studying year three. She never dreamed of going to the school, but now she's going to the school in a nice uniform. Still, it is a dream for many children going to the school in nice uniform, tie, and shoe. I dreamed about that life. Just to go to the school you know, with a tie belt, nice shoes, nice dress. I got my first shoe when I was 21 years old. You don't remember, you, you can't believe that. But I did, just 10 years ago. So now this girl is with us and she's you know, growing with a full of hope for the future. And she wants to be a nurse. Next, please. Next, please. Yeah. And that's the girl. And we have a light home, as you know. These are the children and light home. That's a world light home building. Next, please. They got the prizes in academics and in games. Next. And we have music team, eight musical instruments teaching. And now they play very well. Past Mike and David and the team playing on a outreach. And it's a annual you know, light home inauguration, new building. Next please. Yeah. Next please. And here, we don't know the importance of computer education. Maybe you do know, but in India, really, it is very, very important. A young person has to have English you know, computer education. And we have seven children who just finished year 10. 
day before yesterday, they got the results, and I was talking to them yesterday, and they all passed. Praise God. All of them passed year 10. And without there's no light home, it wouldn't be you know, possible for them. I'm very glad that I'm, you know, we are making a difference in their lives. And while they're waiting for the results, they're going through the computer training, and we are sending them to the Ganavaram town where they're learning in a computer center. So he's one of them, Miss Cleese. Their life is entirely knitted by the Jesus, and they pray, you know, like real prayer warriors. Yes, please. Yeah. Yes, please. And once a year, we take them to the swimming pool. That's my passion, you know. I saw swimming pool first time when I came to Australia in 2006. Some of you know my swimming story. And I went to the diving board not knowing swimming. I just, you know, dived into the swimming pool. And I, know, I couldn't be able to come up. Two people literally had to, you know, bring me up. One pulled my, you know, hair, and one went downstairs and pulled me from the legs. So, <laughs> so once a year we take our children to the swimming pool, and they're very fortunate to go to the swimming pool once a year. It's a water pool. Next, please. And this is light model school. In India, we have 18 national languages and 1,600 plus dialogues people speak. India is not a one country. It's a kingdom of many countries. First, Mughal, uh, um, Muslim kings united the country, later British, they united the country. Before, it was different countries. I'm a history student. So India has a lot of languages. Indian modern economy is dependent on English medium education, English language. If a person knows English, he will have the better opportunities in the Indian modern economy. If a person doesn't have English education, he will be there where he is. And for our Dalit people, the poor people, it is very hard to get the English medium education because it's very expensive. Government runs the schools, but the government schools are very poor in the standards. The quality is very poor. In the private schools, they compromise the quality of education for the sake of profit. So that makes a poor child to attend the school. Nelson Mandela said this, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. We can give them food, we can give them nice clothes, you know, we can take them once a year to the pool. It's just temporary. I strongly believe once we give them the good quality education, they will be look after their own life. It's like a teaching them, you know, how to fish. So we have started this English medium school for the direct people. Last year, we started June. In June, we have 198 children. They are coming from nine different, five different villages. We have small boss. So we are bringing them, giving them education, and sending them home. And I would like to go through that. Next, please. And now they're sitting on the floor and getting education. They're very, very fortunate. And these children are the first generation of those families who has the privilege of education. I'm the first one in my family who has the you know, privilege of education. Now my, my brother and my sister, they're studying it. So all these children, mostly 95% of the children, are the first generation who are able to read and write. And we are so much grateful for this. Next, please. In the assembly. Yes. That's assembly. <laughs> and this is the bus. It's a 25-seater bus. It's doing five trips in the morning, five trips in the morning, evening. Next, please. And we have, 
school annual celebrations last uh, in March. Next, please. And we are not uh, there in India to do the social work, as is said. We are, do we are there to do the God's work. And it's a Christian school. In India, parents send their children to the Christian schools, recognizing the Christian schools are well known for the good quality and the good values to teach the Bible, you know. So we have given them Bibles last month, 100 Bibles to the, to the 100 children in the school, and all of them got the Bible. And their children reading Bibles to them, you know, they can't read. So when their children read in the Bible, they can't say, no, stop it, because their children read it. And it is the Bible in their home right now, in the you know, Hindu families, you know. We don't know what the Word of God, you know, does in their life. Next, please. Yeah. Next, please. And this is a school. And there are 300 children who are hoping to get the admission in June next month. School will be reopened on 12th of June. So the present building is enough for the you know, children we have, 198 children. And if we want to take more children, we need to have another story. And we can't you know, say no. That's, you know, it's hard for me to say no. So that's why we started the second story on, on this building. Once we finish this building, we will be able to take another 150 to 170 children. So that will make school 350 to 370 in June next month. So we are so much excited for this. Next, please. Yeah. The construction? Next, please. Yeah. Next, please. So this is where we are to. So we are praying for a roof, and it costs $14,600 to finish the roof, and you know, we started this light home just by trusting the Lord, and we are not scared to trust the God for bigger things. I'm not really, I don't know. You know, I have seen God working in a miraculous way. And I'm sure, you know, God will work through this. And we have partnership with the Brisbane-based Global Development Group, that's a charity, to receive a tax-deductible donations for the school. And there's a brochure here. And I still have my books, so this tells more, most of about me and our work, what we are doing, it's $10. And, you know, I want to do what I'm doing right now for just one reason. Just for one reason. Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, he said this, Whatever you do for the least of these, remember one thing, you're doing it for me. In these children, I see Jesus. I want to serve him. May God speak to you. Fantastic. Don't go yet. We are so very thankful as a church to be able to um, support and be a part of what you're doing in India. And we just think, like, it doesn't matter what we do over here, we can't impact the lives of these children like you're doing over there. So thank you very much for everything that you're doing. We've also been very touched by the fact that these children are sleeping on the floor. And as you know, that we've been trying to raise some funds to these children off the floor and into beds because we think it's important that each child has a place of their own and a bed to call their own. So today I'd like to present you with a certificate to the amount of $4,636 towards that. Thank you for that. It's a real blessing for them and they'll be very, very excited, you know, when I say this. And I will send you some photos of that, I'm sure. <laughs> Fantastic. Really inspirational to see uh, someone literally changing the world in his location with nothing. And, uh, you know, what you see is real. 
And, you know, you can give money to World Vision, but it's very impersonal. It's just a check off into the mail, whereas this goes directly to people that we know, that have ethics, that are credible, and there are real people at the end of it all. It's really very exciting. Here's a man that literally started life in one of those huts like you saw and is changing his world one generation, two generations at a time. So that's fantastic. So I'm going to ask Pastor Bob to come up now and share. Let's put our hands together. Uh, time has to buy a little bit. So fantastic. The youngest Bob I know. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Mike. I was speaking to Mike earlier um, this week, and, and I was saying um, that I would be 65 in July, and people come up to me and they say, well, Bob, you don't look like you're going to be 65. And I say, well, that's a wonderful compliment. But in that sense, it's also a bit of a curse. You know, there's a constant curse and a blessing and everything because people look at me and they think, oh, look at the young guy. But I'm not a young guy. See, I'm, I, I am. I'm, and, I, and it's one of those things you can't stop. Time is one of those things you just can't stop. And there's a momentum to time, isn't there? There's, there's this ongoing thing that you're trying to hold back the time. Um, and uh, somebody said to me, you know, one time that this is why God actually had our eyesight to fade. And so the blessing and cursing in glasses, the, the, the blessing is I can actually read what's on the paper, but uh, take the glass off and we're supposed to look at our wives. We can't see the lines, you see. <laughs> so there's that to it. <laughs> wives, wives always cop it when we get up here. <laughs> so before we go any further, let's, uh, let's open in prayer again. <laughs> Almighty God, we thank you, God, that you are such a gracious God. God, you do things in this world, Lord God, and, 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 and God prompt us to do things in this world, Lord God, that nobody else would do, God. Your love is so great and so powerful, Lord God. Thank you for Elijah, Lord God, and the, and the work he's doing in India, God. Such a wonderful blessing, Lord God, to be a part of that, Lord God. And, and again, God, we, we almost cannot imagine. We see photographs, God. But it's, a, it's, it's almost to the point, Lord God, where we in Australia just can't almost imagine what it's like. And, uh, God, again, we have indigenous people in this country, God. And, but, God, your hand of love reaches out, God, and we thank you so much. And, God, today we welcome you in this place, God. You, you don't need the welcome, but we welcome you. We want to say thank you, God. You are welcome in this place. Do your work through us, we pray. And thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, didn't Rainer do a fantastic job as well? Man, it's really wow, inspiring, <laughs> and 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 uh, Kerry, just the whole thing, just inspiring. And, and yes, Kerry, you took half of my message, but that's fantastic. I'm really pleased when that happens. I don't, I, I don't get panicked. That's the wonderful thing. And yes, it is Pentecost Sunday, this very Sunday, and Pentecost simply means fifty. Like you get the the first um, books of the Bible, or five. Then the first books of the Bible is the Pentateuch. If those Bible scholars here that don't know, but but that's what it means. It means 50. And in Jewish tradition, it's a, it's a great feast. You have the Passover, and then they count 50 days, and so on it goes. Um, and, it's, and, and when it gets to Pentecost, another name for the Feast of Pentecost is the Feast of Weeks. Because it's seven weeks, and it's 50 days. And that's what they, they're celebrating. It's a wonderful celebration. And it also is the last harvest of the year. And the nation comes, and they bring all the, the goods all the stuff of the harvest to Jerusalem. And on the day of Pentecost, as, as it was uh, when, when the Holy Spirit came, the place is packed with people from all over the world. You read in the scriptures, you know, the people from all over the region are coming into Jerusalem. It's a buzz. It's, everything's happening. 
and um, it's like it's like um, the the, uh, the the Australia Day sort of celebration. Everybody's going to the foreshore and looking at the fireworks. Well, this is similar to that. Everybody's coming. There's a big buzz and an excitement, and we we often think with that day, but this is the day that God chose. Okay, this is the day that God chose. In particular, He chose this day. This also was a day that celebrated the giving of the law in Sinai. So there's a great significance in all of this stuff that's happening. And again, realizing that it's God that's choosing this time. God is choosing this day. And there's a great momentum building. You know, they, as, as Kerry said, they, they've been told to wait in Jerusalem because something is going to happen. Something is going to happen. And they're waiting for that moment. And so this, this momentum building the thing again as well is that if you're a disciple in the early church, Jesus has died. Talk about depression and go, wow, the Messiah is dead, who we thought was a And then he comes back and he's alive. This is Jesus alive. So these people are excited. They've got some passion in them. Anybody here today got some passion because Jesus is alive? Yeah. Amen. Some passion because Jesus is alive. Not even the Holy Spirit in, the, in this case the Holy Spirit's not even come, but God, they've got a promise. They're waiting in, in anticipation for this to happen. Jesus is alive. And these people have been brought up with stories of the great exploits of people that have been touched by the Holy Spirit or, or the Spirit of God in their lives and a great anticipation. But Jesus has said to them, look what I'm doing. And this is in John 14. He said to them, you see what I've done? I, you know, look at the exploits I've done. I've raised the dead. I've healed the leper. And so on and so on it goes. But he says to them, you're going to do greater things when the Holy Spirit comes. You're going to be able to do greater things that I've done. And you're like, how can that be? How can, how can we, and it applies to us, how can we do greater things than Jesus ever did? And part of that is this, what we're doing in India. You know, Jesus didn't go to India, despite what you might, some people might try to say. <laughs> Jesus never went to India. But we're reaching India. Jesus, through us, is in India. And praise God, that, that, is, that is happening. What about if the missionary never went to India and Burma and all those areas of Asia? What about if nobody ever went? They went, and this is why we're here today. So the momentum's there, the great exploits of people that actually went. And this is an incredible vision statement that Jesus said to the believers, and I'll actually read it. Um, to the believers that they would do greater exploits than him, I tell you, Whosoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater than these things. That's an incredible vision statement. If you're in the church and Jesus is risen from the dead and he comes and says, again, reiterates that sort of thing, you're going to do some massive. He's just risen from the dead. How massive is that, you know? And so there's this great, great excitement. They've heard about the creation. They've heard about the Holy Spirit hovering over the great expanse of nothingness, okay? We, we think God created the earth, but th there you are. The Holy Spirit, it says, he's fluttering like a bird over the waters. The great expanse of nothing, the Holy Spirit is there at that point of creation. And then Adam is formed, and God's breath goes into this lump of clay that's laying on the ground, formed by God. The breath goes in, he becomes a living soul. The breath of God is in this man, and don't we want that for ourselves as well? We sing the song, Breathe on Me. We want the breath of God. Come on. Who wants the breath of God on them today? You want that, don't you? You want God to be breathing into you. And that, that's what we all desire, the breath of God into this man. And 
The flood, though, came. How disappointing is that? The flood had to come. And God said, my spirit will not always strive with man because he's mortal. That's so sad that 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 would happen. It breaks my heart to think that we get to that place where God says, basically, I give up. He looks for Noah, and he finds Noah and his children, eight of them, and they're saved by the ark. But it breaks my heart. It must have broke God's heart that his beautiful creation was so decimated by sin that he had to bring a flood. My spirit will not always strive with man. And sometimes we feel in this present time that that also is that situation. How much worse can it get when you watch the TV and all this stuff that's happening? Just, it's just, again, almost beyond imagination. But then we have great stories as well. We have Joseph sold by his brothers into Egypt, and um, he's in prison. You know, a whole story, but he ends up in prison. And the, the story goes to the Pharaoh. There's somebody that can interpret dreams. One minute he's in prison. The next minute he's in the court of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's recognizing you've got the Spirit of God on you. There's something special about you. There's something done. His promotion. There's people in this church that when you're at work, people are looking at you, and they're going, that person does a fantastic job. And you know what it is? They recognize and they see, even if they don't actually know that, they see something different about you. They see the Spirit of God on you. And promotions come, unexpected promotions come, because like Joseph with Pharaoh, they see something anointing on your life, something is on your life. Moses as well, and Jono mentioned this, and John had done a good job as well, didn't he? Praise God for the worship team. Mention the burning bush. Moses there, the burning bush is happening. How, what do you make of that? You know, this, this again, this boy that should have been killed, goes and lives in the palace, runs away from the palace, ends up 40 years later in front of a burning bush. Then he's sent back to Egypt. He comes out of Egypt with, after a whole lot of stuff happens, the plagues and all that sort of stuff. Gets to the, he escaped, he gets to the sea. It's a dead end. They can't go any further. And what's in front of them is a big expanse of water, just like at the beginning. You're like, this is just impossible. Nothing can happen here. But then God said, you step forward. You put your stake in the ground. You put your rod there. And the sea parted. A great wind came. The Holy Spirit is called the wind of, of God. Okay? And that, that's one of his names, the Rush Adonai. And that means the, the, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God. If that wasn't the Spirit of God that opened that sea, what was it? Who was it? Okay? That's the Spirit of God. Opening the sea, some, opening the situation, that's impossible. Impossible situations faces every day. Maybe right now, today, you're facing op- an opportunity to see God work in your life, to see God's part of sea for you that you never, ever expected. You know, you're like, this is impossible. How can I get through this? The, the enemy's right at the doorstep. But then the sea opens because God steps out with you into that situation. Samson. A great man, we think. But he had all lots of flaws in his life. If, we, if, if I was God, I wouldn't use this guy. He's always messing up. He's just making messes all the time. You think, <laughs> totally, he does stuff, everything wrong all the time. But God still uses him. When, when, when he, and, he, and he plays around with things. He says, tie me up and see what happens. So they tie him up and, and, and he just lets them tie him up. And then the power of God comes in on him and he breaks the bonds like tissue paper. But then when God isn't with him, look out. He can't break the bonds. They cut his hair and he loses everything. 
just crazy stuff this man did. But then at the end of his life, he says, God, empower me again. He's already had his eyes put out. He's chained to in the temple of the Philistine temple. And, and then he pulls the, the thing, and the whole thing collapses, and he kills more Philistines on that day that he gets to live his whole life. That's, that's not a very good resume. I don't go around killing people, but that's what God did. Okay, that's what God did. He did this. God does that stuff. He does incredible stuff through people. And Elijah, another man of God. The, the, again, I'm putting this in place because these men who are waiting for the Holy Spirit know these stories. We know these stories. We think, what can we do? Pull down buildings, do, do all this stuff, exploits that were just incredible. Elijah was there. Elijah, sorry, was there, and he's done. He, he kills a lot of people as well, by the way. <laughs> but then he runs to the city, and he runs faster than a chariot. He just takes off, whoosh, and he runs. And sometimes when the Holy Spirit touches somebody, he might touch somebody here today. I've seen people run around buildings. Okay, they just go because it's the Holy Spirit. You don't do that. You don't do that because you look foolish. You do that because God's anointing is on you. Yeah. God, one time, uh, I was sitting in the front row and in a church service, and um, I'm looking at these people that are up front, and they're saying, "We're the worship team. All these wonderful stuff is happening. If you'd like to feel the anointing come up on the stage." And that was going on, and I went and sat down, and I'm looking around. I'm thinking, why didn't those people get up? Very judgmental, you know. And uh, God says to me, Bob, I want you to dance in front of everybody. I'm like, like Randy said, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and so then God says, Bob, you just said that. Okay, so I got up on a dance right across the front of the building. Just, I wouldn't do that normally. God, <laughs> strange things happen. Saul who became king, when he was a young guy, he went out, and you know what he did? Under the power of the Holy Spirit, he prophesied. That's great. Everyone wanted to prophesy. But then you know what he did? Took all his clothes off. And just laid there naked for about three days. Like, um, God's going to ask you to take your clothes off and lay naked somewhere? Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Call the DCP or something like that. Call somebody. Call again, make a phone call. Okay. So, but he did that. And it says all the prophets of God um, that wrote the scripture were all carried along by the power of the Holy Spirit. They didn't write under their own unction. They were moved by the Holy Spirit. And the, and the picture here is, if you see these old movies, um, the big sailing ships, this picture here is that, that, that uh, this is a ship under power. The, the, the sails are full of wind and being blown along by the power of the wind. They're being blown along and moved by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the picture we see. Just incredible. Again, in your own life, just, just imagine that uh, this sort of thing could happen to you. You could be going along one day, and all of a sudden um, you're praying, and then you feel this movement inside of you. You feel this power. You feel this wind. You feel this billowing of your sails, and you take off. I've been on a sailing ship. Um, my sister came for a holiday, and we went up um, to the north, and um, we saw the dolphins and all that sort of stuff. We also went on this sailing ship, and... Um, we stood on the prow of the ship as it was going along. And we're like this. <laughs> just <laughs> just like the movie, you know. And we're standing there. And that's something that I always remember. The, the, the wind in the sails and the speed that we're traveling with that wind billowing in our sails. And so again, we're talking about momentum happening, a momentum building. And Jesus again, as we've heard already, gave the command, don't leave Jerusalem because something is going to happen. 
something is going to happen. Jesus said this to them. This is a gathering momentum. The risen Jesus gave to his disciples this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized. This happened to people in the Old Testament. God came on them, but then he left. Here, he says you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Just recently, we had baptisms down at the beach. Fantastic for all of you that came. It's wonderful. These people got baptized. John baptized with water. He looked at Jesus and said, this person is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One baptism with John's baptism, you're immersed into water. Jesus' baptism is this. You're going to be immersed, not in water, not in water, but you're going to be immersed into the Holy Spirit. Who wants to be immersed into the Holy Spirit? Just, just relax and just float on the Holy Spirit. Float with the wind. Just, oh, just wow, this is just incredible stuff happening. Immersed into the Holy Spirit. Just, just, uh, just, even, just even to think about that is just so incredible. Um, I've been there. I'm going to tell you some of my testimony. Um, it, 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 again, I was so privileged, my wife and I were so privileged that when we came into the Pentecostal movement, which is about 19 years ago, um, I've been saved over 30 odd years. I don't know how long it is, I lose count. <laughs> um, but um, we were privileged to come in when there was a lot of movement of the Holy Spirit. Such incredible stuff. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that later. But here we have, we have the, the early church. They're all praying in the upper room. And the wonderful thing about it is, is that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there as well. She's not left out. This is the, the, the person, the woman, who actually bore Jesus. Saved by childbearing. The world was saved by that. That doesn't mean a woman is particularly saved, but we're saved, the whole church. And his mom is there. And just a wonderful thing, she can see by the Holy Spirit. And there she's here, right at this potent time in history where the Holy Spirit is going to baptize people. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, it says this again. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place in the upper room. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This, again, was a, was a fulfillment of a prophecy. This is, this is the momentum stuff happening. Joel said that, that you, with nations of other tongues you will speak. And this is a fulfillment of that. And so, again, we see this, this potential, this, this, this unstoppable power moving. This is God's plan. This is God's way. The chosen day, when they would come, what was going to happen, the whole thing. And then, again, the whole church immersed, immersed in the Holy Spirit. I pray that even for today with this church right here, right now, that this church be immersed in the Holy Spirit. That we don't work in our own strength, but we work with being immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, do you want that? I want that. We want that. The leadership wants that. We want to see this whole um, church community change that we change the community out there locally and globally. That's, our, that's what we say, and that's what we mean by it. In our own strength, we cannot do that. God's strength, we can. This church itself is a testimony to God's grace in this place. You, you, just, you just don't do this. Uh, just recently, some... I was privileged to show some people around this church 
And I've done that a few times. We did this just last week. And they came in and they're going, wow, wow. No, we're only in the foyer. I'm serious. This is true. They were just in the foyer. They were in the foyer looking through. And then I opened these doors and they're like, <gasps> they literally, I'm not joking, they were literally doing that. They were jumping around. And they were just going crazy. Wow, wow, wow. And again, I'll, I'll talk about Pastor Mike here. Um, it costs a lot of money to hire this building. Keep the lights on, do the whole thing. And praise God for the people who give. But this, these people are coming in and are going to pay, okay, for using our building. They, they think it's incredible. They, they've never seen anything like it. The playground, the other room, all, this, all the stuff that's going on. And they can't afford it. Their budget doesn't go that far. But Pastor Mike, man of grace, says, we want to touch the community. We'll lower the cost for them coming in and using this amazing facility. They, they're going to pay something. They're not just going to get away with that. But they can't afford the whole deal. And, and my, Pastor Mike has said, let them come. And that's the generosity of the heart of God in this place. Um, and again, being immersed in the Holy Spirit, Jesus, uh, through the Apostle Paul, God through the Apostle Paul, speaks these words. Paul asks a question to the church. He says, and as he, this is, again, the context, he's talking about morality and that sort of thing and, and, and living the right type of lifestyle. But he says, don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, you who you've received from God? The Holy Spirit is living inside of here. He's right here, right now. He's living in me. He's in my spirit. Is this, this, this thing I'm touching now is my body? And he says, this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And again, in the broader context, he's saying the church is the body. Is, is, is the body that, that contains the Holy Spirit. It's just totally incredible. It doesn't mean it's just one local body here, but it, worldwide. That we're privileged as people to contain the, the very power, the essence of God that was there hovering at the beginning and now is still here and, and, and continuing to move in us and do this incredible work in us. Jesus compared um, the Holy Spirit to wind. He's talking to Nicodemus, he says, the, the wind can do what it wants, but you can't see what's happening. Okay, same as the spirit. When Hurricane Katrina hit America, um, a great momentum was happening. They see it off the coast, it's coming. The wind is building and building and building. They know something is coming. Now, it doesn't have to be a hurricane, because a lot of times, it's just a breeze. We say life is a breeze. Sometimes it's beautiful, your summer's day, the breeze is through the trees, see the leaves moving. And you're relaxed. It's wonderful. This isn't the case. Hurricane Katrina is coming. Huge storm coming off the coast. They say that Hurricane Katrina, and this is miles an hour. You that are mathematical wizards could work this out. 175 miles an hour, that was the potential of it. Gusts of wind came 250 miles an hour. That's, that blows you off your feet. Totally. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit. The, the word momentum means this, and let me find it in my notes. A momentum is a measure of the motion of a body equal to the product of the mass and velocity. Very scientific, isn't it? <laughs> Who can measure the mass and velocity of the Holy Spirit? Okay, we think of a Katrina off the coast of America or, or the other hurricanes that come our way, and we think, wow, that's going to knock a whole lot of buildings over. This is the potential of God, the Holy Spirit, in, in, in us, in us. The unfortunate thing is that, again, the day of Pentecost come, came and went. 
we as humans don't seem to be able to maintain God in any way in our lives, really. My, myself personally, we, you know, you, you're repenting. Of, I, I shouldn't say you, because you never do anything wrong, but I'm repenting all the time. I do stuff, I watch a program and think, oh, I should have watched that. I look at my speedo and it's, no, I shouldn't do that. Oh, sorry, God, you know, I'm not supposed to speed. I bet I'm in a hurry. And, and stuff like that all the time. And, but with the, with the saddest thing, again, um, with, with it is, is that gradually the momentum went down. And we, we fell as a church, as a, as a people, as a human race, back into legalism and all the rest of it. And this is where my testimony comes in. Um, I started off in the Church of England um, because I was born in England. My mother's Australian, my dad's a pom, so I'm called a posse. That's my, that's my ha-ha joke. I'm a posse. I'm a mixed race, and I'm proud of that. And when I applied to come to Australia, by the way, I told the immigration guy that. I said, my mom's Australian. And he goes, that doesn't make a slightest bit of difference. <laughs> okay, you were born in England. You know that. Okay. So all these colonial people telling me off. <laughs> it's just amazing. <laughs> but I'm now an Australian citizen. So praise God about the same as I am a citizen of heaven. I started off, I went to church. And my parents wanted to get rid of me, I guess. They put me on a bus, the same as Elijah's children get picked up on buses. They put me on a bus. They arrived at the church, and the church wasn't like this church. It was a great, huge Norman church with a whapping big, solid oak doors, about flat and this thick, big door handle on it. And this is man. I got there, me and my sister, I was about eight years old. My sister's about three, two and a half years, three years older than me. And we were late, or we were messing around in the churchyard and and the door was shut. We went up and we rattled the handle. And this guy, and I forgive him, and all the rest of it, I'm sure he didn't mean it, oh, la, la, la. He came out with Sean and he said, go away. Stop making such a noise. I never went back. I walked away from God, really. I thought, this is God. I wasn't even thinking that, I guess, but I never went back. This, that was it. And then um, I met my darling wife, want to get married, so we had to go to church to read the bands. So I went, that's, that's, that's my connection to the church. And, and then we got married, a couple of kids, children. Only goats have kids. <laughs> this happened. A knock on my door. And who was it? It was the Mormons. They came in. They told me that the church is dead. And it needed reviving. And I agreed with them. I had experienced that. The church was dead. Dead in the water. And so I'm ag I agree with that. And... I became a Mormon. I diligently went. I was a Mormon elder. I was priesthood leader. My wife was the secretary of the church, or the, they call it a branch. She was branch secretary. And I'm, I'm priesthood leader, teaching men about all Mormon stuff. Then stuff happens, like it does, and we decided to leave. Big kerfuffle. We emigrated to Australia. We came here. We found it was here as well. We thought we'd left them behind in England. And um, so then, as happens, we were thrown, in a sense, into another legalistic type system, which is the fundamental Baptist church. And my joke with that is, it's uh, not much fun, but very mental. Not much fun, but very mental, fundamental. And uh, we were in that church for 19 years. And I worked it out today, that almost to the day, almost to the day, it's 19 years since we left that church till now. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Um, and in that, in that church, it was not all bad. It was, we had good times. We had wonderful times. That's where we came to receive the Lord as Savior. Um, but 
I just stood up on a Sunday morning. I had an hour on a Sunday morning. I was a teacher, a preacher in that church. And, but I had an hour every Sunday morning uh, before the main service. And I taught the Holy Spirit gifts are gone. This, when the, we, we got scripture for it, when the Bible was completed, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is it was done away with. And we said, there's no more gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I taught that. I actually challenged a lady one day. She'd read a book. And God forgive me, and even praise God he does. Repentance is one of the greatest gifts you'd ever have, by the way. That um, I said to her, okay, this is a wonderful book. It talks about all the wonderful stuff these missionaries did and the miracles that happened. I said, but that's of the devil. The devil did that. You either believe what's in this book or you believe what this church says. She threw the book away. Isn't that terrible? This is me. I feel like the Apostle Paul. Going dead against God, persecuting the church, persecuting the Holy Spirit. When I wrote, talk about bowls of lightning. I mean, I wasn't fried on the spot. But I did that sort of thing. I would challenge Pentecostal people, me, us. If I met them, I'd say, Bible and verse. There. Nail them to the ground. Bang, bang, bang. I was at the, I was at the, I was at the uh, swimming pool one time. And this guy was a Pentecostal, and we got in a conversation. I said, tell you what, you speak in tongues, you pray in tongues, and I'll, and I'll pray in English, and I'll bet who's going to win. That was me. That was me. I did that sort of thing. But then again, stuff happened. And after 19 years, we left that church, uh, very legalistic and all the rest of it, and what are we going to do? We started going along to the Church of Christ in Kelmscott on Lake Road. Pentecostal, no. Charismatic, yes. Very similar, yeah? This is denominational church. Um, having the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Des Nelson was the, was the pastor at that time. Before we left the house, we would pray God's covering over us because we thought we were entering into a demonic realm. God, protect us. It's funny as now. It's funny. It is. Um, praise God if you were brought into the Pentecostal movement. Praise God for that because we weren't. And if we forgot, Lake Road at that time was just one little strip. It was a strip of tarmac in, the, in a sandy desert, basically. We would pull over on the side of of Lake Road before we got, if we forgot to pray before we left the house, we say we didn't pray. We pull over and pray God's protection over us. But God started doing amazing work in our lives. The, the momentum started to build, so it happened amazingly. We were touched by the Holy Spirit. I can't go on for this too long. I could go for ages. We were touched by the Holy Spirit. A lot of tears, a lot of stuff happening. One day I was at home on my own and I'm praying to God. God, if you are real, if the Holy Spirit is real, if all this stuff is real, um, the gift of tongues is for today, then let me speak in tongues. Okay? So, and I covered myself. God, the blood of Jesus. There's nothing demonic is going to happen to me. And I just, and then all of a sudden, I started speaking in tongues. And it came out, and you know what? Yeah, praise God for that. Yeah, hallelujah. Thank you for that. Woohoo! This happened. To, and, and then we, when we left the church, we found a lot of people have been praying for us and and we thank God for that. But, but um, So I spoke, and I read in the scripture, again, that there's interpretation of tongues, and there's personal interpretation as well. So I said, whoa, stop. Because you've got control of that. So I said, stop. Now, God, tell me what I just said. So the interpretation came. It was good. I wasn't blaspheming God. I wasn't praising the devil. And I went, okay. So I started again. And then I stop. Tell me now what I've said. So it was good. It was good. It was really great. And, and, and then and I went, okay. Now, God is speaking to me, of course, as well. Now relax, Bob. 
So they did was just like, and I, excuse me for sounding crude here, but it's just like vomiting. That's the, you know when you've eaten something bad and you can't stop and you throw up? That's what it was like. The, the closest thing I can say, it just poured out of me. Like it had been stored up inside me for years and years and years and years and years. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. I go, wah, wah. I go, just relax, relax, relax. And that's gone on for about an hour or more. And he's blah. My wife was out, praise God. That was the only fear I had. The only fear, because Pam hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. The only fear I had at that time was that, was that I've got to tell Pam what happened. <laughs> and he says, <laughs> Just incredible. So, so that happened. And, and again, this, this um, personal Pentecost thing happened to me. Um, but again, as I was saying, that, that gradually the, the, the Pentecostal thing from the day of Pentecost started fading. And people started noticing that. It takes a long time to notice something's missing. Will we notice, again, the questions sometimes asked, will we notice if God was missing this church? Well, hopefully we would. But gradually people started noticing there's something missing. And there was a great move, a great straining forward of a momentum. Again, we need revival. And the revival comes in God's way. Um, God takes the simple things or the things we wouldn't necessarily put. And he chose a man. He's a... I don't even know how to pronounce it. He's politically correct. Afro-American. He's a black man. Mind you, God already done that with the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, you're probably a, a Negro, but a black man. And, and, and he, only, he only had one eye. And he's called uh, William J. Seymour, a poor African, led the Pentecostal revival that most of the Pentecostal denominations have their roots in, claim to be this is where we started. And it started in a small warehouse type situation, a church in an industrial area. It was 132 Azusa Street. It's called the Azusa Street Revival. And it came because people realized that the Holy Spirit was not trapped in the first century. He was alive and well today. Hallelujah, yeah? And I tell you what, that woke you up, didn't it? I tell you what, where are we? We're a Bible-believing, Pentecostal Shouted out, Pentecostal church in an industrial area. There's no reason why, again, revival, the move of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit can't be here. We are here. And we are planted here by God. This can happen. Sounds familiar. 30 Brant Road, industrial area. We're here. We've got a weird pastor. We all know that. I go in to see Pastor Mike sometimes and I say, I'm sorry to disturb you. He says, I was disturbed already. Praise God, a man of grace. You want grace, come and see Pastor Mike. So we trace it back. People again began to speak in tongues. And all that stuff, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the one thing that distinguished them was not necessarily the speaking in tongues. What distinguished them was they loved people. They accepted everybody, black, white, Hispanic, everybody. They were criticized for it. It didn't happen in those days. It was 1906. That didn't happen. They didn't have to vote. There was no Obama nothing but these men God chose them it wasn't they didn't choose themselves God chose them and God can choose you today an extraordinary thing can happen you think I'm nobody but again God can put the hand on the nobody because that's the person he wants to use just incredible but if you're edu if you're university education that's good too <laughs> God loves education but then we talk about the Trinity and we need to realize something that the Bible tells us that the Son, Jesus Christ, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. 
and um, that God is love, and perfect love casts out fear. Now this is Jesus, the perfect representation, and we need to recognize that, and that God speaks with one voice. God speaks with one voice. When Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, he did say this, that I'm going to send another one, the Comforter, not that someone is like me, but that he's going to send this person who is what? Exactly like me. Study the Greek, the Hebrew, whatever you want to study, who God is. And he says, one exactly like me. This is God. This is God. The Holy Spirit is not the force. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus spoke what the Father said. The Holy Spirit brings to remember the things that Jesus taught. And that's what we're doing here today. If you need your own personal Pentecost, then we would invite you to come up and receive the immersion into the Holy Spirit today. If that's not happened to you, you've heard it happen to me, this rebellious, foolish, Baptist guy. If it can happen to me, it can happen to you. That's what the Apostle Paul said as well. Look what God has done in my life. And if you feel today that you've drifted a little bit, and the wind is not in your sails, and you need God, then I'd also invite, if you need to renew your Pentecostal experience, then come. Come to the front and renew your Pentecostal experience today. Thanks, Ron. So we're going to do that in a few minutes, uh, but time has slipped by as uh, we've had a very full service. Uh, uh, I just also need to take up just uh, two minutes of your time. Uh, we were planning to have a stewardship offering on the 30th of June uh, towards our visionary objectives as a church. And my treasurer has pointed out that there's not much point doing it on the 30th of June because it means we bank it on the 1st of July. And from a financial accounting point of view, it makes a really big difference. And so we're going to bring that forward uh, to the 16th of June. And look, if you're visiting with us today, then this is just private family business. You know, you don't need to feel any uh, compulsion. But as a pastor, uh, as the leader of this church, it is something I want to talk to family members about doing with excellence and uh, to really believe God that we'll be able to raise uh, a significant amount of money to start paying down our mortgage. By the grace of God, all the bills are paid. We owe nobody a cent. Everything gets paid. But I don't want to leave the next generation a $2 million loan on this building. It puts significant stress upon myself and the team to make certain it all rolls. And by the grace of God, we exist here. So the 16th of June, I don't want to talk about it next week because we've got visitors in the house. They might understand that. So I'm just talking to you this morning. If you, are, uh, if you believe this is where God's called you to be, then I want to challenge you to pray Seek God to do a significant love offering, kingdom builders offering on the 16th of June. We'll try and do a little bit more vision casting into that. But just as a small text, Luke chapter 8 verse 3 says that Jesus was supported by some women who followed him around. One person's name because she happens to be like the real estate agent for King Herod. So a woman of influence was in the thing. And, you know, when you think of the great stories about Jesus, um, you know, and yes, he did take a coin from a fish's mouth on one occasion. The fact is all of Jesus' ministry was supported by people. 
that thought enough of what he was doing to actually support him. And so we do believe that our church is not here by accident, but has a plan and a design and a purpose, and we do incredible things. But at the end of the day, um, we've got to stir that. What, one of the, they say that one of the qualifications you need to be a successful minister these days is the ability to raise finance. I reckon I'm lousy at it. I'd rather pay it for myself. And as a family, we've led always with significant giving. In fact, apart from one incredible offering that we had for air conditioning, I've been the largest giver to, our family have been the largest giver to this from a pretty small base. That's fantastic. That's our privilege. That's our joy. That's, that's where my heart is at. You know, where your treasure is, that is where your heart's at. And so, hey, this is not for outsiders. It's not for non-family members. But I just needed to say to you, come the 16th of June, we want to be pretty focused on just doing as well as we can. And even if it's only six loaves and a couple of fishes, we'll be grateful and we'll give it into Jesus' hand and see God use that for his glory. So I want to thank you for all coming today. Thank you for sharing your faces with us today. I'd like to see Clinton and Alana before they go. I've got a little gift for them. And it's great to have Elisha in the house. And Bob, thank you very much for your word. It's a great testimony that even a stubborn ex-fundamentalist Mormon Anglican can actually get filled with the Holy Spirit. And it changed him forever. So fantastic. So don't leave. We're going to actually have the uh, encounter team out the front. If you don't know what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you've never spoken in tongues, or you've gotten stale in that area, we just want to say there will be people here that will pray and see you break through in that area. And I do believe God said wait for a reason. It's so that we could be people of power, not people of um, whatever that is. Fantastic. Oh, the music team did a great job today. Fantastic team. But time has really gone, so I'm going to dismiss you now. God bless you in the name of Jesus. Sunday Night Lights tonight, Thanksgiving, National Thanksgiving Day next Sunday, 16th of June. Have I forgotten anything, Karen? No, I'm good today. Fantastic. God bless you. Hugs and loves all around.